Well, howdy, y'all. You know that this week's episode of South of Scruffy podcast is brought to you by our good friends at Cosmetic. Cosmetic CBD-infused skincare products help ease aches, pains, inflammation, and arthritis by using their proprietary topical CBD formulas. Cosmetics Hemp Pain Cream is the flagship product for my money. Cosmetics Hemp Pain Cream is infused with their patented CBD formula, which naturally fights inflammation in achy muscles and joints. I like to rub it deep into an achy muscle. You guys already know that. It starts working within seconds. Each bottle of Cosmetics Hemp Pain Cream is infused with 400 milligrams of their proprietary CBD solution. You can get 20% off of your entire cosmetic order by going to Cosmetics online store and using promo code SOS20 at checkout. That's SOS20. So be kind to your skin and go to Cosmedicated.com. That's C-A-U-S-E Medicated.com. Sweet. Let's podcast. Welcome into SOS Podcast. I am Ben Fields. This is my podcast. Thank you for being here. feel like I don't thank you guys enough, uh, but it's you guys that are here every week to listen to these conversations that, uh, that keep this thing meaningful to me. And I hope they're meaningful to you too. But, uh, but more than that, I hope that uh, we're strengthening our community and our understanding of each other when we get together and we do this. So thanks for being here. I've got uh, Will Bolduck on the show today. Will is such a prolific dude, uh, and his accomplishments are so multifaceted that it's hard to really nail him down in one genre of thing that he does. But Will's an MMA fighter, and he's a bar owner. He owns a place called Central Depot in Knoxville, and uh, he's a former touring musician that's uh, lived about uh, 50 lives so far with all of his accomplishments, it seems like. He's still in his 30s. It's a freak show. His bar, Central Depot, is in Knoxville. It's a mainstay for the community and an establishment that means a lot to the community that it's in, in downtown Knoxville, kind of old city adjacent. Uh, But Will, like I said, is also a professional MMA fighter, and he has a fight coming up on July 24th. We'll talk about that during our chat. I really enjoyed talking to him, and I hope you guys enjoy it too. Let's get to it. Here's uh, Here's my chat with Will Bolduck. We're doing the podcast. You just don't drink. It's a different. So is it like, you know, I guess clean and sober are different things, right? Yeah, I guess so. People, I mean, hell, if you quit drinking and, but you still got to do acid or mushrooms or whatever to, you know, keep it together. Hell, I'm not here to judge, but yeah. And like some people. I don't know. I heard this story one time about this guy that that was in AA and he was like 20 years sober from drinking. It changed his life. And then one day he just came and turned in his chip and was like, sorry, guys, I've been lying this whole time. I've smoked weed every day since 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 I've been sober. And, you know, he just like felt like he was a he was lying to everybody. But, you know, I mean, hell, if that keeps you from doing the destructive thing of alcohol, is that right? 
No, that. then I think that was doing his job, right? It's I just feeling you know, like, like it is. How many rules are there behind AA? Do you have to, is it completely clean and sober or is oh, AA no. just Alcoholics Anonymous, right? So, yeah, I don't know. I think it's supposed to be anything that, yeah. you know, changes your chemistry or whatever. But yeah, I got I a know. lot of issues with AA anyway, because I'm not a religious person. Right. And and kind of one of the the main like rules that you have to abide by is like, acknowledging a higher power and yeah. kind of giving yourself to that, you know, yeah. like, like, I'm like, well, I just, I kind of I don't necessarily believe that. So that's a problem. Well, I think there's a lot of ways to do it probably, mm-hmm. you know, there's, and, and it's, I feel like if it stops the thing that was absolutely destroying your life, then mm-hmm. you've won. Like that's yep. a, that's a W yes. for me. If you're yeah. smoking weed every day, fine. <laughs> Yeah. You no, know, as long as that wasn't ruining your life. <laughs> yeah, man. I haven't met anybody who really fucked their lives up too bad on weed. I haven't. You know either. what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> like nobody really goes hard. I wonder if it'll be legal soon. Yeah. I mean, how many states now? I don't know. Like half of them almost mm-hmm. are recreational now. Yeah. Tennessee will be like third to last on the list, right? Probably so. I think it'll be yeah. federally legal in yeah. in. Uh, before it'll be, you know, legal yeah. statewide. We're certainly going to need another governor before um, it comes legal in Tennessee. Yeah. I mean, and that's what I'm saying. I think, you know, I think it'll be the federal thing that, that, yeah. that, that guides us before. Tennessee will never become a blue state. Like that's just a, that's a thing, you know? It's yeah. Just, there's a lot of, there's a lot of Tennessee, man. There's, you know, there's, well, yeah. there's a lot of them out there. Yeah. But I mean, you look at Texas and Texas is, you know, Austin has always been that little blue dot in the mm-hmm. big of a, in the middle of a big red state, but you know Texas has been has been leaning in that direction a little bit. It's because everybody's flocking to Austin. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what the the whole thing with like everybody leaving LA right now yeah. and going to Austin? It's like this movement. Yeah, it is. And so uh, here's my theory. I think with with the whole like, Austin for a long time has been kind of L.A. junior a little bit for mm-hmm. the last 25 years or so. It's been that kind of, you know, arts, entertainment, very liberal people, people kind of migrating there to, to do the arts thing. Uh and I've I've kind of seen that with Nashville a little bit too, yeah. East Nashville especially, right? Yes, so, yeah. and and so I think. It, but if you talk to people who are from Austin who lived there for forty years, they don't recognize Austin anymore mm-hmm. because of what it's become with migratory people from California, <laughs> and and just kind of a the 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 hip place that it's become. I think people left LA, went to Austin. Austin becomes this played out thing. I think Nashville is where people from Austin are going to go. I think you're probably right. You think? I mean, they're moving east anyway, so. Yeah. Yeah. And does that kill, like, does that kill a city? I mean, like the culture, right? So, like, the kind of soul of the city. Does that become obsolete and hidden and kind of buried behind, like, all these new people who didn't grow up in that area and don't, like, really know the history of the town, right? Yeah. They bring their own kind of, like know their own stories and their own history which is cool i like a melting pot but man nashville's so specifically nashville right now and you know when does that die how many (laughs) how many people from austin via la does it take to just ruin a city yeah well that's what la was right is is Nobody that lived there was from there. Mm-hmm. Right now, if you want to meet somebody who's from LA, you got to go to Atlanta to for people <laughs> right. are working in the film industry. That's right. You know what yeah. I mean? It, LA was always that melting pot. Now I think Austin is becoming that, and then we're seeing it kind of transposed onto Nashville now. Yep. So I think we've seen the archetype play out. Yeah. 
what does that do for Knoxville? Does that does that does that bleed the the Nashvilleians over to Knoxville? I think so, man. <laughs> yeah, I'm over here smiling. I'm like rubbing my hands together. I'm yeah. Like that's money, man. It's yeah. money. Yeah, but like you know, that's the weird like capitalist in me is also like bring them here, man. Let them yeah, flood over exactly. Spill out, run away. Well, people who are mad, who people who are mad about not recognizing Nashville anymore, mm, you know, yeah. not recognizing the city that they used to live yeah. in, now it's overrun by people who immigrated from Texas or LA. Yeah, it's this odd thing though, where you want your city to grow and survive, yeah, but you don't want it to do too well, yeah, because that would why, like why, you know, at what point is too much? I am so surprised that we haven't seen that here yet. We haven't seen. Uh, this this mass immigration of people who have seen that we have a cool city, very mm-hmm. livable city, yeah. very workable city, a great place to live. It doesn't feel like it's been overrun yet. Now that now the university does bring a lot of people here, it does. Um, but it so, seems like they assimilate. Yeah, I know. Yeah, they fit right in immediately. They're like, yeah. "Well, I'm I'm Finn from Knoxville mm-hmm. my whole life. Mm-hmm. I'm like, you've been here for thirty seconds. Yeah, cool. Well, it feels like home. But does it feel? To you, like, are you seeing at the bar? Are you seeing the, it get uh, uh, overrun with people who aren't from here? No. no. Um, Still locals that you see around a lot? Yeah. Well, I mean, I like, so Central Depot is very much a, a like neighborhood cocktail bar, right? So I yeah. get people who live in the old city downtown area. Um, and sure, a lot of those people aren't originally from Knoxville, but they sure seem like it, yeah. you know? And they've been here long enough now that that they're is home. Yeah. They know. feel like the heartbeat of the town, but, but I'm looking around and like the amount of condos that are going up in the old oh. city and downtown right now is, it's, oh. it's amazing. Yeah. It's shocking. And it's, um, it's like terrifying too, because what's that going to fill with? Right. Who's going to move into these things? Yeah. And, I don't know. What and, are you seeing? I, nothing. Yeah. Cause they're just, they're going up. I mean, like, yeah. like I'm looking at like skeletons of, of condominiums going up. And well, um, so you have marble alley was kind of the first one. Well, yeah. white lily marble alley. White were kind lily. Of yeah. That's big, right. The, the big ones that kind of brought, mm-hmm. you know, hundreds of tenants, mm-hmm. you know, to downtown. But for the most had, part, that was like young people moving into that post. Like, uh, so like young professionals, right? Like yeah. right after college, those places kind of filled with, with kids who didn't want to move back in with their parents right. and we're like, you know, just like live downtown by themselves and like live the downtown life. Culture's really cool down there. Dude, White Lily is such a neat building. It's awesome. Yeah. So and, and just it's a location. The old city is really neat. Um Do you see a bunch of people from White Lily in your uh yeah. in your spot? Oh yeah. Yeah, I mean we're we're basically a You're the closest bar. Dude, we might as well be like a hotel bar for those people, yeah. you know, um, because they walk as far as they have to walk to get to their car. That's that's how far <laughs> our walk is. So like, like, well, you might as well just stop in for a beer after work because yeah. you're already you're already there. Yeah, you know, and it's cool. And there's um, so the White Lily is right there. We we see a lot of people from there. Um, the building that I'm in, the 1894 Saloon Building. Mm-hmm. Um, actually has 11 units in it as well. So you get the so barbershop. Yeah. Well, not, not just commercial, the, the residential there. Are, oh, there are four tenants yeah. on the first floor and seven yeah. on the second, I think. So I have yeah. like, there's I, that courtyard right behind the, that's a courtyard behind it. Yeah. That's also, that's the muse. Uh, Muse and Muse Two are right there. So yes. other developments. But there's that little walkway that uh, that mm. Dewhurst. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That little walkway connects the the four downstairs apartments. Gotcha to, to the, the top ones. To Depot Street. Yeah, I remember uh, when the CrossFit gym was was in there. Yeah, they had to move out because yep. 
dropping weights and yeah. whatever was pissing off the tenants. Yeah. It wasn't even the noise either. It was the vibrations. So like yeah. shit was like falling off the walls and stuff. Yeah. So like yeah. 5 a.m. people would be mm-hmm. dropping these big racks of weights and they'd yeah. just be shaking pictures on their wall. Yeah, man. Which was a bummer because that was a great, great CrossFit box. Mm-hmm. I'm not a CrossFit guy, but that was, that was, a, that was a, felt like an asset to the community. Yeah. It seemed like a perfect, perfect location for that yeah. big warehouse. That's great. Yeah. I don't know, but I'm and dream bikes just moved out. So I don't know what's going to happen. We looked at it for moving the production company there. <sighs> yeah. 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 I don't know. I don't think we're going to do it, but we, we looked at it and we had a, we had a plan to do it. It's a great space. It is. It I think is. Mitchell said it was 7,500 square feet or something like that. It is. Yeah. Um, but that wouldn't surprise me. It seems. Yeah. What a, what a jewel of a building. And it's got a Curtis. It's got a, you just threw that. Dude. I just threw my you, book. He just raged. I'm not going to write anything down. It's got a Curtis Glover uh, uh, mural on it. Yeah. yeah. The, there's like uh, what wildflowers yeah. on the back of it. It's really cool. It's yeah. such a cool building. Yeah. And um, then the, the baseball field, man. Are you excited about that? I don't know what I am about it. Really? Uh, are you are you pissed about the local money that's going to go no. into the city money that's no, going to go man. into it? No. What, what, no. what do you think? It's just going to bring more sundown in the city to downtown? Are you worried about that? I am... I am skeptical of everything, mm. right? Just always. It's how I treat That's a good everything. way to be. Oh, God, man. It's I'm, But I'm not like, I'm not nervous about it. But I just, you know, I've got to see this thing in action first to really, I mean, none of us are going to know how this is going to play out, right? So a lot of people, the main concern for people right now is like, where the hell are we going to park? You know? Yeah. And I'm like, well, like, you're assuming that they don't have that figured out already. Yeah. That there's not like, Maybe I don't know a parking garage, <laughs> you yeah, know what I mean? In the plan, something really groundbreaking like yeah. that. But um, I can also assume that you know, with this being mostly financed by the city and Randy Boyd, yeah. right? Um, that he's gonna he's doing this to make money too, right? So there's gonna be a lot of commercial spaces inside and around that yeah. ballpark. Yeah. So does that create like? a new area of downtown or does that connect to the old city and kind of tie it all together? Yeah. Like, you have no idea yet. Yeah. So your part of town is mm-hmm. interesting because um, I talked to Alan Sims about this. You mm-hmm. know that guy? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We, we talked about how bridges and rivers, railroad tracks, yeah. these natural barriers, they create barriers. Are, mm-hmm. and they're so hard to overcome. Yep. You're working in that direction. You're the bleed. You know, you haven't yeah. passed the bridge yet. Like, right. you know, and that's been a tough one. Yeah. But There's we, another bridge right there next to Barley. So. Yeah. From the old city to where we are, we, we were the first thing that you see, like, as you cross the railroad tracks, we are yeah. the draw to bring things over. Yes. Um, but it, yeah. Is the uh, Greyhound building, is that a, uh, is that a thing? Did they, that sell? I keep hearing it sold. Man. I it's, look at KGIS and it's it hasn't. been four years of rumors, you know, yeah. um, and I haven't seen any movement yet. Um, and I never know who to believe. Yeah. Uh, but I know they were taking bids earlier in 2020. Okay. Um, and I knew some potential people who were placing bids. Yeah. So I was excited about it. Still am. Um, I'd love to see the Greyhound moved and that building used for something else. Yeah. It's an awesome building. It's, it's like so cool. architecturally so beautiful. It's so cool. I think it would take a lot of work to keep that building. Yeah. Because it's pretty run down inside. When really? the, have you been in there? No. Ugh. Yeah. Is it's rough? It's rough, man. Yeah. <laughs> well, rough. Why don't they just give them counter space at the cat terminal? I don't know. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, Megabus ran out of there. I know. Before it went away. But that didn't succeed. No. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, I, I'm not a transportation guy. I don't know what the... 
the ins and outs of well, the transportation I, I talked to, business. I talked to somebody at CAT um, yeah. about probably about eight or nine years ago, right when they built that terminal. And she was she was talking about the parking thing. And she said that the most sustainably traveled cities in America, it is impossible to park a car in the middle of the city. So not being able to park a car there is not necessarily a bad thing. No. It just makes it just makes people do something different to get to your downtown. And once they're there, they're there. That's right. They're not they're not moving around. They're they're not driving their car four blocks to go to a different bar. Yeah. You know, they're maybe doing a parking ride thing. Maybe they're riding a bike in town. Maybe they're taking an Uber and then they're they're some you know, they're uh submerged or uh you know they're yeah. in your city and they're going. So there's this like there's this gray area though between like a city that's big enough to sustain something like a public transport system and then a city that's not. So I think Knoxville's right like in the middle of that gray like area on the right threshold. Now. Yeah. Because yeah. you look at a city like, I mean, like a huge city like Chicago, right? Who bases their whole downtown on like, like the loop system, right? Mm-hmm. And then trains running in and out of that. Like yeah. There's just lines that head out to the burbs of Chicago and then a big loop of public transport in the middle of their downtown. Mm-hmm. It's a really cool layout, really cool setup. You don't drive into downtown Chicago. You'd be a maniac, you know, but you can get in and out in 15 minutes. Right. No, we're we're so far from needing that, right? So, what do you like? Right. So, is that what's is that the question, introduction? You know, well, that that that's kind of where, where what I'm getting at is is that uh, that concern that people have for the baseball field coming in and mm-hmm. parking being so hard is that a legitimate concern or is that you know paranoia or you know it, is it a legitimate concern to somebody who already lives downtown and mm. just parks on the street anyway? Ah, no. Is it a legitimate concern for somebody who lives in West Knoxville who's used to parking lots yeah. and then doesn't understand, you know, how the hell a business can survive without somewhere to park? Yeah. You know, it's just, it's this different, like the difference between downtown Knoxville and West Knoxville right now, culturally is, is large. It's enormous. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I heard a lot of um, when the, when the mask mandate started to drop. And they started to have these forums uh, of of all these different restaurant owners around town who were like, "What the hell are we going to do with these mask mandates?" And 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 actually being, you know, prohibited to have people in our establishment yeah. uh, during COVID nineteen. Um, it seemed like downtown restaurants and bars were more scrutinized than those in in West Knoxville and the ones in yeah. the county. It felt a little more. Uh, relaxed, and if you're going to politicize it, a, l- a little bit more conservative with the sure. approach to COVID nineteen. Yeah. So, um, and then you know the the the, the downtown places were um, were mandated to not have anybody in them, and you saw a real. That's when I saw a real and realized how different. Uh, it's a tale of two cities. Twenty twenty taught us a lot about everybody you know just it, it exposed a lot of people sure. for who they actually you are. found out who your racist for uncle better was. or worse that's right <laughs> racist uncle or you're like super sensitive cousin you know yeah. what i mean like yeah. just whatever yeah, yeah, yeah. um it, it, everybody is suddenly wearing their beliefs you know on their sleeve yeah. and and i think that's cool man i think that's great as long as you're like sticking to it and backing it up you know what i mean yeah but yeah so for the like the <laughs> The mask mandate, it was like, you know, there are a bunch of like social media groups and things like that that were formed just to kind of expose 
businesses for not following the mandates exactly, right? And yep. I think a lot of those were focused on downtown because people downtown tend to care about these kind of things more, yep. right? And whether that's a political thing or just a like maybe West Knoxville just really is more relaxed. Maybe the county is more relaxed. Like I I it would be to, to try to not tie that to politics is is fairly impossible. Yeah, do it. But uh, yeah, no, I mean, yeah, 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 I just I try, I try not to, but it's like Well, you look at it, we have we have a very libertarian county. Yeah. You know, county yep. go- governor or county county mayor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then, you know, a, a very liberal yep. city mayor and they uh imposed very different rules over their domains. Yeah. And yeah, on paper they couldn't be more different, but man, it's it's funny to see them both work. Yeah. Really? Know? It's interesting. Yeah. I like the idea of libertarianism a lot. I do too. I think it's a great idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I love it. But yeah, I saw some, do you know JP Sears? Do you know that guy? I know is? the name. So I'm the worst at this man. Like I know a billion people and I probably know two this, names. This guy's an internet personality. He's got okay. the long red hair and he's like this JP conservative Sears. dude that, okay. uh, that, you know, kind of makes fun of yoga people and kind of how, yeah. you know, awake everybody is and, mm-hmm. and all this stuff that he, but he talks, he talks about like people who, uh, he had this bit about, uh, uh, oh, I'm, I'm not a liberal. I'm a, I'm a libertarian. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. No, well, you're a conservative. Calm it's down, like, man. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's funny how, 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 you know, bleeding liberals can like the idea of, of libertarianism. That's right. Yeah, but then again, it, it's just like it seems like this big fucking circle. You know what I mean? Like where once you go so far left, you you wake up a Nazi. You know what I mean? And you're like, shit, what? I did it again. Now I gotta go back, <laughs> work on negating all that. Yeah, um, I talk myself in a circle here. <laughs> yeah, man, it's really funny. I, it's not a straight line at all. Mm-mm. You know, it's not uh, a continuum. No. Dude, I saw, I watched uh, one of your fights today. Yeah. Uh, yes, I did. Uh, <sighs> I, I knew you as a as a, uh, a bar owner and an important part of our uh, hospitality scene. Sure. And then I started to dig in and realized <laughs> you were a uh, you know, pretty prolific MMA guy. You had a too. weird past, man. <laughs> yeah. Well, so this one that I watched in particular, uh, I think he got – you got popped pretty quick right off the bat. Yeah, I do the, that. The announcer, <laughs> your thing. Say, the announcer was <laughs> like, "He's got his chin a little high." Yeah. Boom, and you got hit. Yeah. And then there was just like you guys were dragging this pool of blood across the stage. Yeah, my blood, the ring, like you know, a snail. Yeah, out of your, yeah. Out of your um, so that was that was a fight. Actually, it was where was it? It was in Knoxville. The was it the international building, the Valerian building? Oh yeah, yeah. They hosted, that's where that was. Yeah, it was dark. It was dark in there, but it yeah. was, it looked, I mean, it, it was an octagon. It was a cage, right? Yeah. Is that the Valor? Yeah. Valor was the name of that promotion. Yeah. Um, and that's who most of my, my fights were with. I held their 125 pound, uh, championship for nice. the better part of four years. I think. Really? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. That's weird. Is that flyweight? Flyweight. Okay. Yeah. 125. Yeah. Dude, that's, that's pretty thin. How that you, hurts. How do you get down to weight? Um, it's really dialed in, man. It's a whole thing. Um, there's there's about eight weeks of of like super calculated dieting and rest, like water restriction that goes into it. So then you get down to weight, you go to the weigh in, and yeah. then do you just 
tack a bunch of weight back on? Yeah. So usually the weigh in is about 24 hours before the actual fight. Okay. Um, and it'll be like a slow rehydrate. Some people like IVs. I'm not an IV guy. I do yeah. like, um, I really like Pedialyte for rehydration. And then um, like, so I'll set like immediately after a weigh in, I'll start sipping capfuls of Pedialyte. Just yeah. slowly reintroducing my system to make sure I don't go into shock. Right. Yeah. And then like liquid proteins. So for the first like two hours after weigh-ins, that's all I'm getting. Like just a bunch of liquid. And then it'll be this like all night long refeed. Really? Where you're just like eating nuts and berries and like any kind of like whole real nutritious food, calorie dense shit. Right. Yeah. Um, like every hour. It's the most fun. That's the most fun part of the fight. Really? I swear to you, dude, not the weight cut, but the, the night after the weight cut, because you've been starving to death for eight weeks and, and like literally haven't drank water in over 24 hours, you know? And suddenly you're like, so my thing, it was like almost a ritual. I would go to like the nicest, uh, like, <laughs> like a uh, convenience store I can find you know, <laughs> wherever I was fighting, whether it's a whole foods or a really nice Kroger or whatever. And I would just buy like all the fruit they have and like yeah. all the berries. And you just sit alone in this hotel room or like, if you were lucky enough to be fighting in town in your own apartment and just like, <laughs> bring all the food and nutrients back into your body job of the hut uh, man, i don't know there's probably a really fucking big issue with me enjoying that so much <laughs> you know it's probably like uh like eating disorder adjacent you know what i mean i feel it but boy i loved it so how do you, how long does it take you to cut weight so what are you walking around at before you try to get down to 125 i'm at 155 today okay um, but before a fight you would get down to 125 yeah yeah um man. i feel like my healthy walk around weight, like super healthy, super in shape, really active is 145, 147. Mm-hmm. I'm a little bit heavy right now just because I took the majority of four years off. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't as active in the gym as I normally was, but I've been at it pretty hard lately. And and I just meant, but like, so that's the difference. I was like 29 whenever mm-hmm. I competed last. I'm in my early 30s and they're just, your body is different, man. Really? Yeah. Yeah, there's so it's it's proving anyway. Easier as a 20, 20 something year old. I I think so. Yeah, Yeah. I don't know. We'll find out. Maybe this will melt off. So you drop 20 pounds before a fight, and that that takes eight weeks, you said? Give give or take 25, yeah. And then what do you back up to after weigh in? You got 24 hours before the fight. I'll weigh in at 125. I'll walk in the cage at like 140. No kidding. Yeah. You can gain 15 pounds in a day. Your body just does. I mean, because you're sucking the water out of it. It's most of your weight loss is coming in the, the 24 hours before the fight. Most of your weight loss loss. Yeah. Mm. Most of your, you're cutting water weight. Mm. Very last minute. Gotcha. Right. Sucking all your like sub Q fluid out of your body. Gotcha. So like, so like all that annoying water under your skin, right? (laughs) So like 48 hours before a fight, you might be one pounds over 135. Mm -hmm. And then at weigh in you're 125. Mm -hmm. Oh man. For an hour. Yeah. So are Two you hours. checking, are you checking your weight and, and then running in a sleeping bag and then checking your weight and then running in a sleeping bag? Yeah. I mean, it doesn't down. come down that close to me. Usually I, um, I'll wake up that day, the day of weigh-ins at weight and then I'll just wait it out. Yeah. You know, I'll just hold on <laughs> and then put 10 more pounds on your body and then go, and then go fight that night. Yeah. Yeah. No, not that night. Then the next day. So it's, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. like 24 hours. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, next night. yeah, it sucks, man. It's super unhealthy. I don't think there's, I, I don't think anybody can argue it being healthy, but there is a, there's a, a better way to do it. And yeah. and the people who really take the sport seriously and don't just like to fight, you know, yeah. um, 
have, have kind of figured out a yeah. way to do this without have it down killing to ourselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, wrestlers, pro wrestlers, boxers, people um, like that, or Olympic wrestlers. Olympic and, yeah. wrestlers, Olympic right? So, pro like, wrestling. pro wrestling is a different thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, Olympic wrestlers and, and boxers are really good at it. Mostly wrestlers, yeah. Really? I mean, even down to, like, high school, these kids are cutting weight, um, which I think is, is horrible and super unhealthy, and I don't think that weight cutting should be become a thing until at least like the collegiate level but really? like what do you do man yeah you gotta you make know? a weight class yeah you gotta be in a weight class and some guy started it yeah you know <laughs> so like the one guy yeah. and i don't know i want to know the history of weight cutting and how it started out because it was like it was one guy who was walking around like six four and he's like i can lose a bunch of weight weigh 150 <laughs> fighting you know? fight a different class yeah, yeah. and he's like yeah. 40 pounds heavier than everybody right so so, so- if, if somebody comes into a fight, most of the guys that you fight against have been doing the same thing, right? Yeah. So, it, right. I mean, it feels like if, you're, if your body is at this super uncomfortable <laughs> weight and then you just jam it full of a bunch of stuff, Why I, don't I feel you like just... you wouldn't be working at like peak performance That's when right. you're in the ring, yep. right? And there's a big argument behind that. Like a lot of guys want to fight at their natural weight. And mm. there's this big movement for like trying to stop weight cutting some different um, MMA promotions besides UFC. Um, one FC is another one, another yeah. big, like worldwide MMA promotion, um, have, have, have taken steps towards removing weight cutting, discouraging it. Yeah. Discouraging yeah. it for sure. So they'll do like hydration tests for months leading up to the fight. Really? You can't, you can't underhydrate, you know? Mm. Um, but you know, then there's people like me who, um, I need that. I need that, like... What's your favorite part? Oh, well, yeah. I mean, the food is, not the weight cut. But, like, like in order for me to really snap into, like, oh, I have to fight a man in a cage, basically in my underwear, in front of a bunch of people on camera, I have to really, like, suffer before I'm in the mood to do that. Yeah. And the weight cut does that for me. Gotcha. Or, like, you know, what training camp doesn't doesn't cover. Well, you can't do, like, the Tank Abbott thing. You remember that, dude? Yeah. Yeah, I heard he used to just get off a bar stool and yeah, go he did. <laughs> get in the And ring. he was successful. He was, the early years of like mixed martial arts fighting in the UFC, you could do that because there, there were not, for one, there weren't a ton of rules and regulations. Yeah. You know? um, no open, weight classes. Open people. weight classes, yeah. not a lot of rules. They kind of no developed gloves. as they went. Um, yeah, yeah. So um, the, the rules formation of MMA fighting and um, the, the UFC specifically were really interesting because it's like they were forming rules as things were happening. Hmm. Like a guy would get like, he'd end up on his back. And then like, it's one specific fight where a guy was just like punching the other guy in the balls. Yeah. Right. Yeah. They're like, oh, that shouldn't be allowed. Yeah. But, yeah. but <laughs> you like, think that gentleman's rule would, would, would next, keep that from happening. But, but next fight, I guess, because you yeah. know, you can't create a rule in the middle of a fight. So yeah. there's, and that happened for years. Yeah. Where it's like, um, like downward elbows and things like, oh, you can't do a downward elbow. You can't anymore. go. Like if somebody's well, called ducked. 12 to six, right? So if you're yeah. at a clock, like 12 to six, yeah, you so, can't do that. So somebody's wrapped around your waist. You can't just drop an elbow That's right, right in the back you of their can, head. You can come sideways. Mm. Like a, a three to nine or whatever, but just yeah. 12 to six is outlawed. And that's because it's the stupidest reason. Um, because these karate guys were shown at expos breaking bricks. Mm-hmm. Right. With the, the 12 to six elbow. Yeah. And then somebody was like, oh man, that's way too dangerous. You can't <laughs> that it's like, what? That's <laughs> these like these yeah. bullshit karate expos with guys breaking bricks. That's your yeah. logic. So yeah, yeah man, they're, they're, it's an interesting rule set. But and, and the cage, 
the cage itself is a marketing technique, right? So yeah, like it doesn't benefit the fight. No, is Bellator in a ring? No, Bellator's no, in a cage. It's no. in a cage yeah. too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you see MMA in a in a uh, pride in a ring for a long pride time. was in a ring. Pride was in a ring. Yeah, but the UFC was like, let's cage these guys in. It's a fight to the death. You know. Yeah, and big, one man leaves. Big John. Big John he's McCarthy. Been, man. He's been around forever, dude. Yeah. I mean, I remember him in like the first yeah. one. He's an interesting dude, which I was watching in like the mid nineties. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, have you met that guy? I haven't met John. No, no. Mm-mm. I've met some of the refs, you know, yeah. some of the, like the big ones, but yeah. uh, the no. black dude with the dreads. Yeah. We were watching me and my wife were watching it the other night and she Herb was like, Dean. Herb Dean yeah. is his name. Mm-hmm. She, <laughs> we were watching it and she, she was just, it was on, we yeah. were in a bar and, uh, and, and she was watching it. She was like, Oh my God. Oh my God. They can do, they can do that to each other. <laughs> That's right. I was like, yeah. And then was Herb this- Dean was over there and she was like, that guy's got it figured out. Yeah. I mean, he is just like, he. Uh, that's the best job in the world. Was right this there. recently? Yeah, it was last Saturday night. Okay, so check this out. I went to um, UFC 261 in Jacksonville. Okay. Um, just recently, which is, it was the first sporting event in the United States at full capacity since the COVID shutdown. Yeah. It was a UFC fight. Yeah. It was incredible. Oh, I bet. So much fun. I bet people were so happy Dude. to be out and about. I bet the energy was ridiculous. So you have, you know, most MMA fights are split up into like preliminary card and mm-hmm. main card. Preliminary card is usually kind of like like up and coming guys trying to buff their record and like just like work their way up, right? That arena was packed for the first prelim. Really? Yeah, like just loud and super excited. I, I've never seen anything like it, man. It was so much fun. I heard Joe Rogan talking about it and said, I forget who he was, what, what interview it was he was talking about, but he was, he was saying that it was the best, it was the best feeling in the world. It felt like we're back. I'm sure. Yeah. And he's, and he's like, it took Florida to, to, to do it and to take the <laughs> chance. Florida would though. Yeah. They'd just be like, oh, fuck it. But we haven't closed down anyway. So, yeah. you know, but, but it was right. Yeah. Right? I know. Yeah. And, it was, it was a really cool feeling, man. And uh, had I not been, so I, I got my vaccine uh, about three weeks before I went. So I was like, well, okay. I'm, I'm like, you know, I trust the system. I yeah. think the people who made the vaccine. What else can you do but right. trust the system? Right. You know, <laughs> that's that's also a scary way of thinking, but like, <laughs> but right. Yeah, but this, <laughs> yeah man. Like, what do I have to lose? Yeah. I, they, I, they can take all this. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Take my debt. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, that's all you can do, man. You can, you can trust the people who are paid to do what they do. Mm-hmm to do it well. But you felt comfortable when you were there? I, strangely. Really? Yeah. Yeah, that's what yeah. that's what he was saying too is it was like there was it wasn't weird. No. It didn't feel weird? Like, For a second. You know what felt weird was walking to a into a restaurant there in Jacksonville without a mask on. Mhm. I was like, "Oh, that's that's really weird." But like, yeah, walking into this arena with 15,000 other people not wearing masks wasn't weird. It was, it was exciting, man. Was it? It was really cool. Yeah. I, I heard it was, uh, was a great card also. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Um, the main card was all like really exciting, odd finishes. Do you know those guys? Um, you fight with any of those guys that fight in the UFC? I, yeah, I've trained with a few people who, who fight for the UFC. None of the people on that card, but now, I mean, there are a couple of like, acclaimed guys from Knoxville. Yeah. What's um, the hot sauce dude? Scott Holtzman. Yeah. Um, I've, I've done heard some about training him with him. He's a friend of mine. Um, Ovin St. Prue is another guy out of Knoxville. He was okay. a, uh, a, he's a light heavyweight. Uh, he actually fought John Jones for the title at one point in time in his career. Like wow. he was, he was working his way up there. So yeah, I mean, Knoxville has a, a good MMA scene and community 
and yeah, I mean, so you, you ask if I know any of those guys, it's like, it is so small and tight knit that, yeah, you run into those guys at different promotions, mm-hmm. different events throughout the U S I mean, there's, there's only so many guys into the sport. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's probably, I mean, our, our film industry is the same way, Yeah, you know, it's like, yeah. you, you think it's this huge, you assume it is. Yeah. You assume it's this, yeah. it's this big, you know, industry that, that has, you know, everybody and their brother works in it, but you know, Got by it. the time you get to a certain level, it's just, everybody knows everybody mm-hmm. work with the same people. Yeah. You go to a, you go to a city and talking and, at a, talking about events you were at the week before. Sure. You know, it's like, I mean, were you in, were you in Columbus? Yeah. yeah. Was, you yeah. meet somebody for the first time and you know, tons of the same people yep. because you've just been working, yeah. you know, in the yeah. industry. I love it, man. I love that kind of like niche, like community of like oddballs that just happen to love this one yeah. thing, you yeah. know, whether it be film or MMA or like, like music was another thing, you know, just like, like, and that's more widespread, you know, but like, it's just fun, man. You run these same little circuits with, it's cool to be in this like nerd group. Yeah. You know? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> but that fight that I watched uh, of yours, they were like, Oh, he's got his chin high. Yes. And then, and then, and then you got hit and, then and I got started clocked. bleeding. Yes. Yeah. And then he just dragged you across the floor for the whole first round. And you guys were, you were on top of him. He was on top of you. And there was just this, this, this big pile of blood <laughs> passing yeah. you guys by. And then I was like, Oh, my man's in trouble. No, you beat him. Yeah. Well, yeah. it, it seemed like once you got on the ground, you were all right. Yeah. Is I'm, that I'm, where you're comfortable? Yeah. I'm a Brazilian jiu-jitsu purple belt. And, um, oh, wow. That's, that's like my my home. Yeah. You know, is, um, in the I like guard? To, <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, not even just anywhere on the ground, but like I um, I like to make these fights like I'm not the most exciting fighter in the world to watch because I like to close the distance really quick and just like drag people to the ground. Is that why you got hit? Because you're, you were no, trying to close the distance? No, I got distance. hit because I underestimated the guy. Really? You know? Yeah, he was like six inches taller than me too. Yeah. I had no idea. I was. I, I used to train with him. Really? Yeah, he was an ex-training <laughs> partner. Did you get bigger? I, I was like, Jesus Christ, man. This is nuts. <laughs> Long. Um, no, I just like, I think the first punch he threw was a cross that clocked me in the nose. My nose is fucked up still. Really? Like, I don't know if you can. I can't tell, tell man. Yeah. I got a I got a weird nostril that I can't breathe out of. Really? Because of that? Because of that, that one? Strike. Yeah, this one strike and it yeah, yeah it opened me up. Um, and I bled a lot. Um, but you remember it wrong because I spent the rest of that round on top of him. Yes, you did. Yes. Yeah. And so it there did was not... no there was no well, trading. Did you sir. beat him in the second round? Yeah. 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 That's the one I remember you being on top of him the whole time. Yeah. And I, I'm never sure because I don't know that much about MMA. I don't right. know that much about Brazilian jiu-jitsu. But what I thought that I knew about it was that um, it was kind of created to to Brazilian jiu-jitsu was created mm-hmm. to fight from a from a position that you really don't want to be in. That's right. Yeah. So it was, it was kind of, you know, the like Gracie family or kind of. Yeah. I remember them in the, in the first, in the first UFC. Yeah. So it was a way for smaller guys to use leverage and torque to their advantage. When being in, in a, an unfavorable. Sure. Or fighting position. Or right. What at the time was unfavorable. Now on the, on the bottom. Now you look at it and you're like, Oh, that's a, like this guy could easily be dominant from that position. Well, they, it's almost like they try to lay down now just to get him, to yeah. get him to get him to go ahead and get on top pulling of him. guard, right? So you just you, you pull a guy on top of you. Yeah, that's what that's called. Yeah, it's it's crazy. Yeah, it's it nuts, is. Man. And the next thing you know, it's he's in an arm bar. That's not very smart in MMA, really, um, because like usually getting elbowed in the face will negate. Yeah, any of whatever the you were trying you to do you regarding jujitsu, you know, and that's why like. Jiu-Jitsu certainly isn't the most dominant part of re- or 
MMA, uh, MMA. But anymore. I think wrestling is. Really? I think wrestling. I think if you take like a good like high school or collegiate wrestler and teach him how to strike at all, mm. he can be successful in, in regional MMA without even really trying too hard. Mm. It's just it's wrestling is so so dominant. You know, you have control of a guy. It's not a lot he can do. Yeah. yeah. Are you, uh, are you going to fight again soon? I am. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's funny timing for us to be talking about this because since central Depot opened in 2017, I pretty much had to like stop training. Hmm. Um, I was getting gym time in on my own, you know, like workouts here and there at night after work or before work, but like, you know, MMA training time was just gone. And, um, over the last year I've really missed it a lot and have started to get back into training a little bit. And Good. Then over the last like six months, I've been talking to my coach and I'm like, man, I think I want to fight again. Wow. Um, and, and yeah, so I have potentially a fight lined up in July, July 24th. I think we're looking at Awesome. That's not too far off. No, I think it was 12 weeks last week. Wow. Yeah. So, uh, what, uh, uh, Promotion is that? Can't say. Can't, can't say. Can't no, say. Can't say. That's part of I the wish business. I could, man. Um, That's awesome, though. We're still dealing with contracts. Yeah. Know, contractual obligations. Yeah. So it's promoters. It's Don King style. It's like they want your name on the card. I they- wish it was Don King style. <laughs> it's it's mostly like it's like in the Southeast United States, it's like Jeb style. It's really? Like, hey, this is Bubba. He owns a promotion. He's going to give you a fight. I'm like, okay. That's it? Cool. Right oh on. man, I glamorized yeah. it way more than that. <laughs> no, I know. It, I mean, especially like, so I'm not like, I'm a draw. I can sell some tickets, you yeah. know, but I'm not like a huge national draw. You know what right. I mean? Um, I can like in Tennessee, the Southeast United States, yeah. I can, I can, people I can know sell some tickets. Yeah. Yeah. But man, like, what is that? You know, what, yeah. what does that mean in the grand scheme? Right. So, so it's like, I think I'll probably end up being like, um, this this specific card i'll probably be like last three fights and just sell a lot of tickets for them that's awesome yeah that's it's a comeback thing it's a you know it's cool it's been a long time since i fought a lot of people care now that i own a bar i can probably sell tickets to people who won't show up or remember there's a fight so i'll just sell a shit ton of tickets (laughs) to drunk people and yeah, it's oh, I bet I, I bet you've also uh, uh, gotten a, a following outside of the MMA world in the last yeah. five years or yeah. Whenever. So a lot of people who have met me since then and didn't know that side of me are very interested to see like what it is that 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 will does right. Yeah. So yeah, it's weird, man. I don't know. I'm super nervous. About it. Are you? <laughs> yeah. Are you gonna fight in the same class? Yeah. 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 Dude, I'm excited. I want to go. Well, let's go. I'm going. Yeah. I July just, 24th, man. Yeah. I'm We're going to do it. Yeah. I think it's going to be in Kingsport. Okay. Yeah. I think. Cool. We'll find out. Yeah. Are you from Knoxville? Maryville. Okay. Merville. Yeah. Yeah. I graduated from Maryville High School. Um, my mom and her family are still there. Um, yeah. Dude, I love Maryville. It's awesome. Yeah. It's right down here. It's, it's pretty close to here. Right over yonder. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, it's come a long way too, man. So it's, it's nice. Yeah. Like I grew up there, um, again, graduated high school there. Um, and then like bartended there a little bit, like a few years later, where'd you, you know, work? The, the waterfront bar and grill. Where's that? It's right next to the library. <laughs> is it on that little river or that little, <laughs> yeah. Is that, yeah. What's the name of it? What's, uh, Oh, is, is it a gun? Shit. Is it named after a gun? It's oh, called I'm like sure Shotgun Creek or something. I'm sure it is. Um, <laughs> 
Oh my god, I'm, this is embarrassing. I can't remember. They the stocked name of it. trout in it recently, and you yeah. see a bunch of people fly fishing in the middle yeah. of town now. Um, I can't remember the name. It's it's not Pistol Creek. Um, <laughs> it might be. It, I thought it was it named after be. a gun. I, yeah. don't know. I could be. But wrong. It's, it's, it's the the Greenway there. Yeah. Is, uh, yeah. So it was this old like. I mean, it's still there. It's it's a like a dive bar that also serves lunch and dinner. There you go. They allowed smoking inside until maybe now. I don't know. Like was, uh, what was it? Brackens. Yeah, yeah. Brackens is a lot of fun. Was it, is it closed now? Yeah, but it's something else now. It's okay. like uh, it's the same thing. Brackens was the thing, man. Everybody in Maryville knew Brackens. Yeah, went a, to Brackens. It's the same concept. It's still okay. like a kind of like a jazzy dive bar. You know, they I do like. like they do a lot of like um, open mics for musicians and yeah. stuff, and a lot of jam sessions and stuff. It's 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 a lot of fun, man. That's cool. Some of the better musicians that I've ever met, you'll run into at a like just an open mic or jam at Brackens. It's yeah. crazy, you know, guys that'll never get any recognition, just like dudes who have spent their whole life focused on guitar, but also working at like you know just wherever to yeah. get by and, yeah. and you didn't catch the break or didn't chase it or whatever yeah. you know but it's like you walk in that place and people are fucking killing it yeah yeah i've seen a, i've seen some videos from there i'm like what are they what are, what are they doing playing there yeah like what that's 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 what's so weird about the music industry man it's like <laughs> you've got you've got a lot of super talented guys who made it you know and and are doing well but you've got <laughs> equally a bunch of like untalented guys who have made it mm-hmm. for, for whatever reason, um, you know, whether it be just like, you know, being better at promotion or like marketing or it's, it's a business, man. Yeah. It's tough being really, really good at an instrument. Doesn't mean you're going to be successful. Yeah. It's y- tough. You know, uh, serious bright. Yeah. Yeah. He would, Tyler was in here, uh, talking about the same thing. Mm-hmm. It's like chops doesn't necessarily get you no. there, you know? No. Um, and, and that's like, I play guitar, you know, and yeah, it's you like, did the music thing forever. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You still do. Um, right? or no, eh, it, no, 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 not so much now, but you were in a band. I still play. Yeah. But, but boy, I'm not doing anything with it. You know, I do a little bit of self-recording, but yeah, I was in you a band for toured, a long time. Right. Yeah. Yep. What was uh, it called? Band I toured with was called Adoration. Yeah. Um, a couple, and, and I played for a band called Contrast Gray before that. It was originally called Lotus, not the jam band, different, different Lotus, but, um, um, yeah, adoration was the my kind of like break into like national regional touring. Um, was it I was nineteen? No, it you sounds like a Christian. With, man. No, I know it was named after the the painting, the Adoration of the Magi. Okay, yeah, um, and no, we were far far from it, my friend, <laughs> far from it. Um, which actually, I mean, having such a a nice name might have got us a lot of shows that we wouldn't have normally been. I able mean, to play. if somebody saw that on the card, they might yeah. just buy you know buy the ticket. <laughs> yeah, but it's like you know, so so somebody like me, like I was I was classically trained on violin, um, nice early on, um, in Maryville, in in Merville. and um, and that was my thing. And and entering like middle school, I was like, shit, the guitar is really cool. Mm. I should try that because yeah. girls seem to like the guitar a lot more than they like <laughs> my violin. And I stuck with the violin, but I also started picking up guitar that was never like, I'm not a great guitar player. Like I'm okay. And I, I'm a hell of a performer. And that was it for me. Mostly was, I was like really good on stage, but a kind of a shit guitar player. But I mean, is that okay? It seems like, okay. Right? Fine. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah. But then I talk to people like, like I hear people like, uh, like Andy Wood, who you've had on yeah. here and like Ben Eller and these, like these guys that I know that are like really, really, really talented and yeah. understand the guitar as an instrument. 
And I'm like, oh shit, that's right. I don't even play guitar. <laughs> you know, like I'm really good at like at flailing on stage and looking really cool with eyeliner on. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, no, it's I get a different it. thing, man. I it's get a it. Totally different I run thing. across people like that all the time where I just, they put me straight in imposter mm. syndrome right away. And I'm like, oh, yeah. Dude, I'm not that good yeah, at this thing. There are levels to this shit. Yeah. yeah. But there is a lot to say with being an entertainer. Yeah. Too. It's you know? just a different thing. Right. Yeah. So that's, and that's, that ties into like, you know, these really talented guys may not be entertaining at all. Maybe like yeah. boring as hell to look we'll at. Go or, like like Bill Frizzell or, yeah. or, you know, John Schofield or sure. any of those jazz guitarists. Mm-hmm. Like just, yes, they phenomenal. are un- phenomenal yeah. undressing that instrument, mm-hmm. you know, but then you go see a, a black Sabbath show and it's, it's all, yeah. it's all about now, calm down because Tony <laughs> Iommi was incredible. Okay. But okay. I'll take it, but I get what you're saying, man. It's a different thing. It's a, completely different art yeah you know the the like rock and roll performance touring that kind of music is so much different than these like really really good jazz guitarists or like it just these like shredders giving tutorials online right it's a different thing it's it's <laughs> there's so much better. andy wood's youtube channel he's sick <laughs> It's sick. It's disturbing. <laughs> I don't even play guitar and I am absolutely mesmerized. Andy Wood used to play for a band in Knoxville called Down From Up. Yeah. And they were like another like rock touring band. And, yeah. and Adoration and Down From Up used to play shows together all the time. Really? And I was always like, that guy's pretty fucking good. Yeah. Like he, you know, what is, what is that? <laughs> That's upsetting. Uh, and then, you know, I, I kind of like. I don't know if I just closed my eyes for a few years or what, but five years later, I'm like, holy shit. He's, he's like renowned as a guitar player. Yeah. Suddenly playing I mean, for like Rascal Flats, mandolin and like, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and looked at as one of the, you know, top 0.1% of guitar players, best yeah. guitar players in the world. Yeah. Yeah. Where does that, like, where do you, <laughs> when do you realize yeah. that you're way too good for like, modern rock music right and you go from like playing blue cats to just fuck it like i'm starting a youtube channel i'm giving tutorials i'm teaching people how to play Mm -hmm. i'll go to the you know like and how do you make it as a solo musician that's so foreign to me yeah you know well i mean he's figured it out i guess i'm multi-instrumentalist um i think helps a lot um with him but then but then you look at like I don't know. You you look at the people that he surrounded himself with and it's just he's around the best of the best and he's standing up toe to toe with every single one of them. He's and they incredible. see him, they see him yeah. as the best of the best, it's you in, know, it's incredible. Yeah. It's and so cool. He attributes it to his right hand from the mandolin. Is that right? From learning the mandolin yeah, just and, super just, speedy. and just, yeah. yeah. And just be, having such good control of his right hand. That makes sense. That, that when you put a, a decent left hand over it, which his is much better than decent on, so a, on a fretboard. Yeah. But when you put those two together, it's just like, you know, compounding. Yeah. You know, so, these, so he's able to use those, those traits, you know, from the mandolin to his advantage on guitar, right? Yeah. So, so you couldn't do that with the violin, could dude, you? Dude, <laughs> I had to unteach myself vibrato because ah, it's it doesn't work. It's a, it's opposite. Oh, um, really? You do vibrato with your right hand? Violin? No, violin vibrato is still left hand, but yeah. it's more of a like um, up and down the fretboard. Mm, if you do that on guitar, a, then you're just popping out of tune. You know? Oh, it's not. So, so on on guitar, it's 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 uh, it's more it's of a latitude. Pull. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah, on, yeah. A, on a violin, you're just you're in between. Yeah. Well, there's no frets on a violin, but you're just kind of right. you're just kind of feeling it in that note, wanking it. You know, yeah. It's, yeah. 
yeah man and my violin vibrato was fucking good yeah like i'll tell you it was really good couldn't do it on the guitar my guitar vibrato was nonsense what about when all those guys started to play the the guitar with a bow do you remember yeah it's fucking uh what's uh jimmy page was yeah, jimmy like the, page did it the big one yeah did you ever think about doing that no yeah <laughs> <laughs> no man no always thinking about was like again i was like I toured regionally from like age 17 to 22. That was the adoration time? Yeah, contrast grand adoration. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Contrast uh, grand was first? Yep. Okay. Yep. Um, way more like kind of emo, eyeliner, punk, rock kind of yeah. thing. And then Early adoration. aughts somewhere. Yeah. 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 Um, this is all like, God, what year? Like 2004, like 2005. Like post Good Charlotte kind of yes. kind of stuff. Um, like... Like if, <laughs> you know, you know, our singer sounded like the guy from live. Yeah. You're live. I saw the them in concert crashes. one yeah, time. Yeah. 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 Um, but it was like that, but like over like really like emo heavy kind of gu- guitar heavy music. Yeah. Know? Hence the eyeliner. Yeah. 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 Well, the eyeliner equaled girls. Yeah. That's all I was in it for. You know, I was like eyeliner. super nerdy so, kid in high school, like basically ignored before that. And then you know, graduate high school early to go tour. And I was like, Oh shit. Well, this is all I had to do. All I had to do was throw eyeliner on <laughs> and pick up a guitar. Is it so, is that why you learned to fight the nerdiness? Did you no. have to defend yourself? No, no. no. Okay. I, and, that was fact, a sport thing. This is a, a cool claim to fame. I've never been in a fight nice. outside of competition. Good for you. Never. Good for Not you. Not once. I've never, Never swung on somebody. Never had somebody swing on me. I've always wondered if, um, if, if doing that all day, if training to fight, training to you know, to, to take somebody down, to make them submit, yeah. if that would fire you up to uh, to want to do that. It, no, you know. I, I think I think it does the opposite. I think it it, it gives you some security, mm. and lets you know that for one, you don't have to. But yeah. If, if if you had to, yeah. Then you'll, you'll be fine. Does it make you more part. paranoid walking around in public? Do you worry? Do you do you, do you start to look at people as threats? No, but you do size people up. Okay, you know, yeah. You'll, I mean, every room I walk into, You're I'm like, sure right. this is the same with like most like like really competitive fighters. It's like, all right, I know who I could fuck with and yeah. who I couldn't. You know, <laughs> but like that's the thing, man. I'm five four on a good day. Really, like, I fight at flyweight. You yeah. know what I mean? Like I'm yeah. a, I'm a little dude, and. And weight means a lot. Size means a lot. Yeah. So like, no matter how acclaimed I am as a an MMA fighter, you know, no matter how good my record looks, that's against other little dudes. Yeah. There. Uh, yeah. So there's still a six foot eight guy out Dude, there who yeah. could, who could give you a pretty good good go. luck. <laughs> you know, what are you gonna do? Yeah. Just end up under the guy and beat all to hell. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, man, why do that? Why just not have a conversation with somebody? And, and yeah. I'm all about de-escalation. You know? Yeah. I love it. Have you done any of the? Uh, uh, any, any of the, um, any of that de-escalation or any of that kind of, uh, what are they called? The FBI negotiator yeah. people, you know what no, I mean? Yeah. It, no, no, it, no, those, that, that the, kind of that, stuff. Like, tactic. No. Yeah. That, that tactic of, no. of probably inadvertently from working in bars for so many years, you know, where you have to like talk to somebody and use psychology to your advantage to like convince this guy that he indeed doesn't want to stab the guy next to him. Yeah. You so, know? So you, uh, you've innately, uh, or, or, or you have, uh, uh, you're, you're owning a bar has, has, as a byproduct. Yeah. <laughs> but not even owning that. a bar. I mean, I've, so like, even while I was playing music and while I was fighting, bartending has always been like my moneymaker. Gotcha. You know, um, 
when we were touring, whenever I was back in town, I would just find another bar to work out for right. like a couple of months. Yeah. Could, was it hard to keep a job as a bartender with in um, a touring band? Yes and no. I was lucky and I found some, some really cool people who were, I still talk to. Like, I mean, um, one of the first bars I worked at was over in the Bearden area. And, um, I was in there, like I worked there on and off for four years, I think. And, um, just whenever I was in town, they're like, yeah, work. And when That's I great. wasn't, they were like, no. So it, it and that ended up, I think, um, I hope that reflects on the way that I manage and run my business too, where I like understand that, you know, it's a bartending job. Some things are more important. Right. You know what I mean? But, um, people, yeah, people, people are allowed to have other careers. Mm, mm. <laughs> Not only allowed, but they should. You know, um, do what makes you happy. And then, you know, if bartending makes you happy, then cool. Make that your career. Right on. Yeah. Let's do it. And that's where I am. You know? Um, Yeah. That's interesting, man. So, so I didn't know, I I didn't know a lot about your, your path before we sat down here, but it's, yeah, it's, it's a weird one. man. So you graduated from bartender to owning a bar that had to be tough. Yeah. Um, like, like it's not tough, weird, different, like, um, terrifying. Really? Right. Yeah. So, um, I, that was like, I always knew that if I was going to stay in the industry that I love, mm. you know, bar, restaurant, hospitality industry, then like that makes the most sense. Yeah. It's like, like business ownership. Yeah. Um, and I also knew that I'm really shitty at working for other people. Mm. I'm like borderline unhirable at this point, you know, <laughs> it's good it's, to learn early. It's bad. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, um, but yeah, I was like, I was 29 and, uh, my, f- the guy I opened this bar with former business partner, um, approached me and he was like, Hey man, do you want to, he had owned bars in the past and he was looking to upstart a thing. And I was like, I'm in like, let's do it. Yeah. Yeah. And you said, I'll be, I'll be your legs yeah i'll be the I'll, I'll be the engine that moves this thing and, yeah and yeah be he was, the back office kind of deal is that how it worked how it was presented to me yep um not how it worked no it's it's i'm not saying that yeah no it was just um it, there's um boy i worked a lot you know <laughs> and uh <laughs> in the early days getting something off the ground man i mean people say you know it's the industry most you know most likely to fail right yeah if, I think you, so, if you right? just want to start a business yeah if you just want to think you're going to start a restaurant yeah a huge number of them fail yeah and it you've can't really be easy to you've start. really got to give a shit about the industry you got to work your ass off too right yeah i mean but not only that i mean if you don't love like I mean, i'm absolutely love the industry yeah and love what you're doing it is a pointless endeavor mm. because you're not going to make money for a long time mm. and and you're going to work all day and it's going to consume you. Hmm. So if, if you're not doing that, like out of love, out of like true care for, for the industry, for the people involved, then, then it's not you like, get out. Don't waste your time. I had this conversation with somebody the other day, a, a person approached me um, wanting advice about how to start a, a, a bar restaurant concept. Mm-hmm. Um, it was, it was a, it was the, mother of a friend and i was like you're not passionate about this (laughs) don't why 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 is that your angle like it was it was a woman who 
had a little bit of restaurant experience in her early life, mm. um, but just viewed it as this thing. Like, this is how I can make money now in my like, you know, like before retirement, like put all my money into this thing, upstart this thing, and then just kind of sit on it. I was like, that's it doesn't work that way, man. Mm. Every bar owner in the area can tell you that like, you've got to grind down and be in there. You know, that's your, like you're the captain of that ship, not only in a leadership role, but like you're doing everything for for a while hmm. if you know if you're if you're super passionate about it if you're doing it yeah. so you started with a business partner and now you don't have one mm-hmm. is that right yeah okay. i bought him out and um oh my god yeah luckily november of 2019 right before the pandemic yeah <laughs> um which inadvertently saved the business really yeah I, you couldn't I, have supported both of you. i don't think you could have supported two owners no yeah. um and you know, and I was able to cut costs by a lot really? heading into the pandemic. So, so the money that I wasn't getting from like financial relief from the the state and the fed, I was able to kind of make up on my own from mm. cutting costs. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. We opened in December of 2017. I bought him out in 2019, the end of 2019. Okay. Now. Yeah. So we're going into our fourth year. This is somebody you like somebody you guys had pretty, yeah. si- pretty similar visions for what it was going to be. Um, you know, I don't No, No, really? no, it's somebody I like a lot. Good yeah. friend of mine, but no, I think our visions were completely different. I think that's what eventually led to, you know, the decision being made for us to part ways, you know, good, good decision though. On both, both, both. Yeah, I think so. Good. Yeah. Um, you know, tough, difficult for me. Yeah. Super difficult. So keep the friendship up. Yeah. We talked yesterday. That's yeah. great. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was just like, you know, he's, he's really good at, um, more of a more of a hands-on guy yeah you know I'm, i gotta get in there and well you do come it. from the bartender path man yeah. you like to get in there and talk to people make their drinks yeah bust the tables love it all of it love it yeah it's hard work it's working in the service impossible. industry yeah. yes and you have to it's almost like the jeff bezos thing you have to have like a psychotic focus on the customer in yeah. order to succeed at it you know yeah, and i think in order to succeed at anything you have to be fucking crazy i think so know, about that thing right <laughs> yeah, so about whoever you're serving yeah whatever it is you know yeah. whether it be you're serving you know are you a guy that likes to have you know if you have somebody over do you feel like you're entertaining do you feel like you're responsible for i'm always on man yeah, yeah i'm always on yeah. and i hate it um it's actually overwhelming but yeah like if i have people over to my house like if they if they're frowning yeah. ever i'm like oh fuck i'm failing yeah, exactly you know? oh no yes. what have i done yeah but i also have and i'm i'm super open about this like i have crippling obsessive compulsive disorder mm. highly medicated for it really it's bad wow um and so that kind of like presents itself in anxiety a lot of times uh, um that's its manifestation is anxiety yeah um now you know now yeah. that i'm medicated that's where it pops its evil yeah. head you know but it's it's tough man and i think that's like that's also just a uh like a generational thing where like people of this age are just like fucking nervous and anxious people you know seems like it yeah it does seem like it everybody's doesn't. riled up all the time yeah man nervous about everything mm-hmm. what's it like dealing with the uh, de- dealing with with folks that are 
you know, in your place to have a good time yeah. all the time. Yeah. And sometimes they go too far. Sometimes, you know, people are acting out. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm a guy who doesn't want to tell somebody to stop having a good time. Yeah. I'm really bad at that too. Really? Yeah. Do you run it. Do you run? I mean, now um, you've got to deal with that as an owner of an establishment, right? Yeah. How, yep. How does that, um, how does and that again, I'm pretty out? good at like deescalating without being confrontational, which That's is good. fun. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, I'm kind of lucky where I don't get like, you know, be your like college party crowd or whatever that like is, is they're kind of known for like getting out of hand and yeah. obnoxious. I don't get a lot of that. Um, and most of the people who is like visit central Depot are people who live nearby and you don't want to piss all over that, you know? Yeah. So you're not going to get like, yeah, super obnoxious. So I'm, yeah. I'm inadvertently been pretty lucky with that. I've created a really neat space that, um, you know, just, just doesn't allow for a lot of bullshit. Well, it, if people respect you, that's fine. But if people think they own your place, yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. I've been to places before. Like I felt like I owned a few places. I, sure, I felt me like too. I spent enough money in me a bar too, that man. I owned the place. Me too. And you, know? and you know what? Like what's wrong with feeling that way? Yeah. You know, I mean, I don't know. I was the, I was the customer, not the, not the owner. No, I know, but with, with like no harm, no foul. Right. Really? So if, if the customer feels like they have ownership of the place and like invested, mm-hmm. that's better than, than them being like, I'll never see this place again. Let's piss all over their floor. I feel you. You know? Yeah. Um, so maybe they'll help you. I think there's something to be said for like a, like a super tight knit bar community, almost a family. Right. Yeah. So, and, and we have something like family adjacent with, really? with central depot. Yeah. Um, God, man. I mean, I have regulars who kept me open, literally kept me open through the pandemic. You know, right. a lot of people are like, well, you kept me open. These people actually did. Yeah. You know, they're the only reason that I'm still open are because of the same, like two dozen people that frequent that bar. Mm. Um, so for them to like, feel like they have ownership is fair. You <laughs> they <know>? do. <laughs> they do. They don't know it. You yeah. know, they may not realize everything they did, you know, yeah. like just frequenting a bar during a government shutdown is that's, I mean, <laughs> thanks for the money, man. Exactly. You know, appreciate it. So I would think it's a fairly dangerous place to spend all of your time yeah. at a bar. If you're somebody who <clears throat> sounds like you grew up in bars, yeah. ultimately yeah. spent a lot of time there. Yeah. It, I mean, I would think that being there all the time, being subjected to it all the time, mm-hmm. I don't know how you would not just turn into some depraved party animal. Yeah. Um, how, do you, how have you dealt with that? Well, you do. You <laughs> or you don't. You do. <laughs> I mean, I think everybody does at some point in time. I think that's like, that's part of being a you human. You do what? Right? You become the depraved you party animal? You do be the... <laughs> become the depraved party animal this stool it's squeaky is hilarious i, I need to put it. some uh, wd-40 yeah. on it or something um, I, we were talking about this earlier you and i um i um at different points in my life have had to like pull the e-brake on the drinking gotcha you know and um and and reevaluate and um and kind of step back and like <laughs> Make sure, do some self evaluation and make sure that everything's still in line. You know, we good. Um, we yeah, good. I gotta I mean, show you. I gotta make sure that's we're a good. Thing, man. Yeah. This industry is so interesting. Like, um, you, the whole thing is built around alcohol, right? So, yes. this this legalized drug, yeah, right. That I mean, f- arguably the most dangerous drug, probably fucks people up. People do horrible things and become different people mm-hmm. whenever they're drunk. They don't have to, yeah. right? But sometimes they do. Yeah. Um, so when you're, you know, part of that, it's it's tough to hang out with drunk people when you're sober. 
Mm. So, you know, so you'd have a in drink the bar industry. You, you have drinks, you know, yeah. that's, that's frowned upon probably illegal, definitely illegal, but yeah. um, you know, drinking on the job is just part of it. And so you'll drink through your shift as a bartender. And then once the shift's over, you're off work. So you go out. <laughs> but you're already drunk right yeah you're already kind of there yeah you know so you'll go to like support your friends over at the next bar yeah just service industry love drop like half the fucking money you made that night yeah to your friends and it's just big recycling pool yeah the service industry community is like so tight-knit and just lovely oh like, it's awesome oh, it's great i miss being in it yeah but yeah man you know that that kind of lifestyle for a few years and you're like shit what wow I've been drinking every day for the last like four years. Hmm. And that happened to me. Um, um, obviously when I was competing MMA, um, yeah. I would take like months off drinking. Yeah. I was wondering um, if you, if you can still be drinking no. and, and, and fighting. Yeah, I mean, you could, but not successfully. Right. You know? um, and, and certainly not take it seriously. So, which you, I did. so you'd quit drinking when you trained. Yeah. I would take, and it would take, take what weeks, months at a time, uh, two to three months off at a time. Wow. Um, but then whenever I was back on, I was fucking back on. Really? You know, yeah. Um, so you take that away. You take the the MMA training and you take mm. the the like the competition goal away from me, which happened whenever I opened the bar. Then I'm just like full throttle, right? Yeah, 12 um, months a year. And you yeah, can drink and I, I, I could and I was. Um, and I drank hard um, five, six nights a week for like four years man really yeah since your uh, last fight yeah 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 and uh and just recently um towards the end of 2020 did like a big step back and and was like well i, I don't love my relationship with alcohol mm. um the, the hangovers really really suck you yeah. know i don't feel like i'm as um productive as i could be um i, I don't love the person i am when i'm wasted um so like let's take a step back and observe this and like like crank the e-brake. So I took like 152 days off alcohol wow. completely, I think. Um I think it was 152. That's the well, number that's in months. my head though. I mean, that's that's, that's yeah, good. It was a long haul, man. Um and it was tough. What was it like? It was really tough. Really? Um it, but you it's a lot of like you learn a lot about yourself. And um Did you miss it when you were in the when you were in the middle of this uh sobriety you streak? You know what you miss is like you miss hanging out with friends in a really laid back way, you know, mm. um, and alcohol removes that, like removes the give a shit. Right. Yeah. Inhibition. Yeah. yeah. So you're always kind of like coming from like a high strong person. Anyway, you, you move, remove the alcohol from it. And I'm like, I'm the f- police officer in the group. Really? You know what I mean? like, Are we sure we should be doing this? You know, yeah. like, so it just kind so of you like, you're still hanging out with people who were drinking. Well, I, I own a cocktail bar. So, um, <laughs> yep. Sure. am. Yeah. And, and I was bartending through those shifts and, and it was yeah. really tough. That was the biggest battle that I had on my days off. It was fine, mm. but at work, like in order to, to hang out with people who are drinking all day and sit there and, and not, or just drink water or whatever. Like, I mean, you and I are having beers over this podcast. Imagine like you know, being the third guy sitting in the room over here, just like not, <laughs> but he's handing us the beers, yeah. you know, it's, it's yeah. just weird, man. Puts you in an awkward situation. Sure. Um, that was, that was a big battle. What'd you learn? Overcome. What'd you, did you learn anything about yourself? Did you learn anything about your friends? Did you learn anything um, about how you spent your time? 
Yeah, I, I learned a lot, you know. Um, <laughs> we'll start with you. What did you know. learn about you? I learned about me that I am um, uh, a, I have a hyper addictive personality. Really? Yep. For sure. I love substance, mm. whether it be food or alcohol or just whatever it is that I'm doing at the time. And I also think that's part of what's made me successful at different things, right? I do obsess over things. Mm. Um, Compulsively. Yay OCD, right? <laughs> so like that kind of that kind of OCD meets like, um, uh, you know, obsessive like like addictive personality leads me to be really successful if I use it the right way. But also it leads me to loving like a substance and just going way too far with it. Right. right. So that's, that's an issue. Um, I, my, the big battle for me in what I wanted to accomplish with the no drinking thing was to be able to like sit down with a friend and have a drink or two mm. and then stop drinking. You couldn't do that before. No. Okay. No. Um, if I had a drink before, um, that was, that was the end of my day. Really? You know, that was like, okay. Like now so we're say, in this mode. Say 4.30 PM, I get off work and somebody's like, Hey, you want to have a drink real quick? Like that's what we're doing for the rest of the night. Yeah. Gotcha. Yep. Yeah. Like there's no, there's no, Hey, I got to go grocery store later. Like, no, it's like, yeah. so you start drinking here and then you drink until the bars close or you pass out. Yeah. And, um, and yeah, that's that's how it always was. For and me. you felt like that was not a healthy relationship with well, a substance. I didn't realize that it wasn't until, mm. God, you know, like last year. Yeah, I I think I've always kind of juggled it in my head. Like, man, I might have like a bit of an issue here with this, right? You know, but um, no, it really hit me last year where you know I had, I had some some outside input, and they were like, man, mm. maybe you haven't, maybe you have an issue. Yeah, I was like, maybe I do. Let's find out. So I just quit just emergency break yeah. done. Let's stop drinking for a while. And I believe, I, I hope that I'm at a place right now where I'm able to have like one or two drinks yeah. and not be consumed by that for the rest of the evening. Yeah. Uh, it's, I've only been drinking again casually for like a month. Yeah. Um, I reintroduced alcohol uh, my fiance and I went on a trip to Savannah, Georgia hmm. and we went to a restaurant and I had a beer mm-hmm. and I was like, that was good. And then did you like stop I'm after that? Done. Nice. I was like, wow, that was something. Really? The next night I turned down drinks. The night after that, I turned down drinks. Um, and I was like, well, cool. So that's two nights in a row after my first beer that I've just like not wanted to go out. So I didn't. Um, I bet that was a foreign feeling. It was you. really foreign. <laughs> It's been, you know, you've got to get really comfortable and healthy with yourself, right? You got to like yourself a little more than I did for a long time, you know? Um, I I feel like there's never, you never hear about that middle space of like uh, people who don't stop drinking altogether. People just stop because they have a problem and they quit and then they, they never go back to it because they can't. Yeah. Um, But you're saying there might be a way for people to, who may feel like they have uh, a not the healthiest relationship with alcohol yeah. to not necessarily have to quit, but maybe yeah. have, maybe, maybe, maybe there is some middle ground there, Yeah, but you still don't know who knows you could backslide. That's right. Yeah, yeah. That's what's so scary about something like this, which uh, I mean, obviously is an addiction, you know, yeah. am, am, like what is alcoholism? I don't know. Am I an alcoholic? I have no idea, Right. but I know that I have um, a, a pretty, like I, I disdain the guy I am whenever I'm wasted. You yeah. know what I mean? Um, yeah. And, and I don't love that. 
So, but is there something in the middle there where having there, a grip on it? Is there something where you just you control it instead of the other way around? I think there is, you know, and and we'll find out, you know. But I think I've found it, um, and I think that That's that takes. Awesome. I think really that takes a person just fully committing, mm-hmm. just stopping evaluating themselves and figuring mm. out what could work. You know, yeah. it takes a lot of like self-evaluation, really being able to observe yourself, you know, and figure yeah. out what it is that drives you and what, what is it like, what are you using the alcohol for? Right. right? So for me, it was just a time killer. Mm. I wasn't, I don't even think I've been like crutching on it for anything. I just boredom. Yeah. Boredom for me is the number one reason I drink. It's just what you did instead of twiddling your thumbs. That's right. Yeah. So it was, it was stupid shit that I did. Like, like instead of whenever I quit drinking, I was like, oh, man, like I, I rediscovered video games. There you go. And I was like, well, this is a normal thing yeah. that humans do. <laughs> Let's do that. Yeah. Instead of just fucking drinking all night, yeah. I think I'll play this game. Yeah. And, and it was getting into that routine of like, you're able to do other things, right? There, there There's not, this isn't the one activity. Yeah. You know, um, it's not the thing that our night focuses on. So <clears throat> I, I've seen in the past, yeah. you know, I've seen people drinking till they vomit or pass out every night Yeah, and then having to stop completely Yeah, and trying to sober up and not being able to do it. Yeah. And then the backslide is yeah. what ruins their relationships with their family, relationships with their loved ones. Yeah, because at that point they've abandoned like Well, they've 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 gone for broke. They've said, "Listen, I'm going to quit drinking." Yeah. And I don't drink anymore. I can't drink anymore. Mm-hmm. And then they try, mm-hmm. and then they've got that almost that those handcuffs on, knowing yeah. that they can't. And then they do it once. And then it, it, it messes up everything. Yeah. I would love if there was something in between there, Yeah, you know, to where, to where people, um, because there's fans of the 12 step program everywhere and sure. I, and I've studied it a little bit and yeah. it works oh, I for some into people it because I was like, maybe this is the thing, right. but yeah. I wonder if there's yeah. something else though. You know, I wonder if there's yeah. something else that, and not to say it has to be commercialized or, yeah. you know, I'm sure it I will don't know, be. man, I bet in the next 10 years, somebody will come up with the, you know, responsible drinking plan yeah. program or whatever. I mean, of course there is, there's a system for everything and yeah. there's, there's an approach to everything, but it's like, yeah, has it been like modeled yet? Has it yeah. been laid out in step form? I, has anybody written a book? Yeah. Who knows? <laughs> I haven't studied into it. Maybe there is a book out there. Maybe there's like responsible drinking for bartenders by like, <laughs> by whoever, you know, I, I would think that that would be an occupational hazard in the business you're in. And I'm yeah super pumped that you have a, a grip and a grasp yeah. on it, but it seems like it's taken a lot of, you've had to take a lot of different viewpoints at it. You've had to look at it from a few different places. Yeah. And it's taken, it. it's taken years too. I mean, this really? wasn't the first time I stepped back and was like, maybe I should stop drinking a little yeah. bit, you know, took a lot of time, but again, I'm, I mean, like I'm a young dude. Yeah. I'm not using that as an excuse, but like I, I caught it early, I think. Yeah. You know? Well, I, I think, you know, I remember being in, in college and, and high school and all that. And it was, you know, it's the taboo thing. It's like, you know, drinking and smoking, like let's, Oh, if we can get away with it, let's mm-hmm. do it or whatever. Yeah. But now it's, it's really exciting out of, thing. It, yes. Yeah. But it's like, it, it's not necessarily the cool thing to do. Anymore, smoking certainly I mean? isn't. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Smoking's um, about done. Yeah. 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 As well. It probably should be. I, I agree. Yeah. Um, and I smoked for for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a, so that's another thing, man. I quit smoking cigarettes, cold Turkey after mind power, but I only smoked for seven, eight years. Yeah. 
but like still seven, eight years, you know, that's, that's a <laughs> long enough. But like I talked to smokers. I was smoking for 25 years. I can't quit. I'm like, well, yeah. you can, yeah. it's going to suck really bad. Yeah. You got to hate yourself. Yeah. You know, I think I'm really, really good at hating myself. I think that's, that's what self-loathing man. Yeah, man. Yeah. I, and I'm comfortable in that headspace, you know, um, it drives a lot of people. And I like the, uh, I like, I like earning shit. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Nobody likes easy money. Yeah. So, yeah. so even, you know, something as simple as like breaking a habit, I think like, like torturing yourself in order to end up in a better place for me is always a good and kind of appealing. Absolutely. Yeah. That's why the, the you know, going sober for a little while, yeah. like it's, it's a, it's a, it's, it's a task. It's an mm-hmm. effort, you know? Yeah, dude. Um, yeah, man, it's, it's been nuts. We have yeah. a, a, uh, a non-alcoholic menu at the bar now. Um, I see that everywhere full now. Of like, Were you yeah. the first one to do that? I don't know. I, it feels that way. <laughs> I, I, who knows, man? But again, like it, it, drinking, I go out with people all the time. They're like, no, I just don't want to drink tonight. Yeah. And it's fine. Yeah. You know? And now there's a resource. That's right. Yeah. There's tons of really good non-alcoholic beers out there. Really? Like tons. And I'm, I'm not talking like, like good for a non-alcoholic beer, like a good beer. So our mutual friend, Mike Deering. Yeah. Mikey D. Yeah. He left some, uh, he's been drinking non-alcoholic beers. Yeah, I know. He's been talking to me about it. Yeah. He let, yeah. I've got some in the fridge. He left them in my cooler. Yeah. It was, it was the, uh, the hazy Ath- athletic, the athletic brewing company. Yeah. Yes. Um, he was texting me about that. Was he might've been here when he was texting me about yeah. it, but, uh, yeah, man. Yeah. He dove into like, so that's the thing. We both like to hang out. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I like to do something with my hands. Yeah. So non-alcoholic beer serves that purpose for me. It like the placebo effect involved in NA beers is legit. Is it really? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Um, and, and maybe not for everybody, but for yeah. me, it works. My body is like easily fooled, mm. you know? And I'm like, Oh, I'm definitely. Yeah. Good. How much is, how much of it is, is not necessarily chemical and, I think most things are mental, you know? You know yeah. It's gotta be. I think so. Yeah. I, I drank a couple of Bex NAs one time at, uh, at Chivo on accident. Blew up. <laughs> got wasted. <laughs> but, I got know. a DUI on the way home. It was crazy. They really worked, man. It's fucking stupid. I, I do think you're right, though. I think mm. there is some, some placebo effect there mm. that, that can work itself out. There definitely and is. Non-alcoholic beers and... Uh, you can other things, other non-alcoholic drinks that look like non that look like alcoholic yep. drinks, taste like alcoholic yeah, mocktails drinks, mocktails and mocktails. Yeah. All mm-hmm. all of it is is fine, and yeah. and you also, you know, don't have to feel the stigma too. You know, of being. Dude, the, I just had that word in my mind. I was like, you have to remove the stigma of yeah. of going out and not drinking, and you shouldn't feel bad about being like, hey, I'm just not drinking. Like, yeah. if. if I will stand on a pedestal and say that if, if your friends have a problem with you not drinking, like get new fucking friends, Absolutely, you know, because yeah. like, how dare they? Yeah. Do you, do you do anything to better yourself? The people who support you should support you. Absolutely. You know, yeah. um, find out who your friends are. Dude, quickly you do. <laughs> yep. Quickly. And I was super lucky. I mean, like everybody was still there. I announced like, Hey, I'm not drinking anymore. Like I saw some people less. Yeah. Because, you know, it's people that I just saw when I was out drinking, but like nobody was like, what the fuck are you doing? And I think that, that now, um, well, I've seen a big movement in the downtown Knoxville community, um, the bar community, like bartenders that are moving towards sobriety and Mm. like taking time, at least dipping their toes in it and seeing what that feels like. And I don't know if that's a national thing. Um, I don't know if that was because 2020 was such 
a train wreck. I think it was tough on people's livers. For yeah. Sure. Yeah. That people are like, let's, let's dabble around with this. But like, yeah. there's a lot of, um, you know, sober menus popping up now. That's I love really that. Cool. Yeah. I too. think it's awesome. Me too. I think you, you, you know, remove all that from it, remove yeah. the go out and get drunk party part from it. That's, Dude, that's not the thing you have go to out do. And party. Right. Do you, yes. you know, but like, you don't, you don't have to risk a DUI on your way home to do it. And, yes. and, you know, like, like I'm all about substance. You know, I, I say like, I'm, I'm towards the, like decriminalize everything me too. spectrum. Like uh, me too. You do, you have fun, yeah. get fucked up, whatever, get a ride home. But like, don't let that consume you. Don't yeah. let that be, be something else other than that. what you do. Um, yeah, I'm with you. I don't know, man. But again, like you, you end up whenever I stop drinking and I talk about stopping drinking, I end up worrying that I'm coming across as Pete preachy or like trying to play this martyr. I don't feel kind that. of, you, you know what I mean though? No, so I like, do. I, so yeah. when you talk to people about it, it's like, so well, it's the sober guys telling people that it's okay to be sober. Yeah. You just got to shut your mouth, I guess. Yeah. That's what it feels like. In most things, man. I think that's like, (laughs) that's the secret of happiness is just keep shit like, keep it inside, man. Just let it build up and build up until you finally explode and do something horrific. Right? (laughs) Sounds like a plan. (laughs) Dude, what else we got? Um, Oh boy, I don't know. We got your fight. We got your bar. Yeah. We got your, we got your sobriety. Yeah. Click. Um, What are we missing? I don't know, man. When dive into my childhood, when dive into like, <laughs> like, <laughs> how do you feel about your parents, man? Yeah. Uh, no, I don't we, know. I don't have anything. Like, I, I came in this um, with an open me too. slate. You know, me too. Um, I knew that you and I were not going to sit here and stare at each other and not have anything to say. No, I knew that as well. Um, yeah. But I had zero expectations. Me so, too. Yeah, I think that's a good one to that's a good one to take with you just about everywhere you I go. I think this was a great first date. Me too. You want to do it again sometime? Yeah, I'll do it again. Dude, thanks for coming. (laughs) Dude, of course, man. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Well, I'm smarter after that. That was something. Thank you guys for being here. I appreciate it a lot. Follow us on Instagram at South of Scruffy. Do the Patreon thing. If you guys want to support us with money, go to patreon.com slash South of Scruffy. You can become a subscriber there and get all kinds of content that the general public doesn't get. Again, thank you guys for being here. Take care of each other. Take care of yourselves. Pitchwire, play me out.